right, praise God. Isn't that good stuff? Yeah, I'm telling you, we'll do that, I, I hope, for a long time. Amen? If you have your Bibles with you out in, in the car at home or here, turn to, to Hebrews chapter 4. Powerful verses God gives us to digest and to um, take them to our hearts and, um, and um, let them guide us and direct us and, and let them become um, the truth that we live by. That's why these words are so powerful, I think. There's lots of things that are gui- wanting us to guide us and to take us in directions, but this is the main thing, I think, that we need to grab a hold of. It goes something like this in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 and 16. It says, This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he's faced all of the same things that we do. Yet, unlike us, he did not sin. So let us then come boldly to the throne of our gracious God, that we will receive his mercy. Now, if I was to stop here and tell you anything, I think that's the best part of the scripture right there. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. Gracious. There will we receive his mercy and find his grace to help us when we need it most. My friends, this is the word of God for all of his people. Amen. Let's pray together, okay? God, we thank you for your word that, that uh, gives us such hope in days like this. That gives us such a challenge in our lives every time we pick it up. And we pray today that we would be more than just hearers of your word. But we would be responders to it. Become that doer of your word that means so much more than just being a hearer. Open our hearts to you today, Lord, that we might be touched by something you've said already through the music, through our prayers, whatever it may be, and through this word, your word, that guides us and becomes our light. Be with your servant today too, Lord. Let his words be nothing more than your words. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So this morning I want to look at this word called sacrifice and how completely sufficient it was in our lives um, so much that there's nothing more to do. Now when I say that to you, um, many people think that there's more to do after they've accepted the sacrifice. The Hebrew nation, for example, the Jewish um, people for years, thousands of years, knew that they had to make an offering once a year. And even that offering once a year was not enough for them. They would have all kinds of stipulations that they would have to do throughout their year to keep themselves right in God's eyes, which never happened because if you listen to the Old Testament, it was very difficult. And it's just as difficult today, isn't it? To be in the frame of mind that I am am good in God's sight. If you ever get to that point, please come and see me. Because I want to know how you did it. Amen? Do you know what I mean? Because we're all fallen short. Uh, if, uh, uh, only God's word says that. But, but we've all fallen short and we all continue to fall short because we're alive. We have blood pressure. 
And every time we have blood pressure, there's things that we do, things that we think, things that we say, not intentionally, sometimes intentionally, but not intentionally, that causes us to need a sacrifice. And something has to take care of these things that separates us from God. And the sacrifice of Christ, what we're celebrating here in this Lenten season, the sacrifice of God through his Son, I want you to know, is completely sufficient. I'm going to say that word an awful lot this morning. There is nothing else that we can do to make the sacrifice any more powerful than it already is. There, uh, the old saying is, there's nothing you can do to make God love you more than he does right now. He loves us so much, you know, John 3.16. How much? That he gave us his son. There's nothing, it's completely sufficient, the sacrifice that God put in place. Completely sufficient. There's nothing else that we need to do, but yet we as humans think that there's always something, we, there's more. My, my dear friend, um, Dr. Rudge in, in, uh, in uh, Caldwell, Ohio, would always say to me, he said, there has to be something more that we need to do. And I would always look at him and I said, yeah, there is. But it's not something that we do, it's something we believe in our heart and trust. And, and he would look at me and he said, don't tell me it's faith. And I said, yeah, that's all it is. That's all it is. God made it so simple. Isn't that great? You know why? Because we're simple people. At least I am. It's a good thing he didn't make it any more difficult than saying I believe in Jesus and that's it. You know, because I would have a hard time with it. And we all do. We, I'm going to tell you, we all do. We think we're the things that we do, um, the gifts that we give to church, you know, the meetings we come to a church, the, the times we pick up a piece of trash or help somebody. It all has to do with, okay, this will make up. And if we're doing it for the... Anytime we do that for the wrong reason, God says, you've already got your glory for that. You do it. We do it because of his grace in our lives. Because his sacrifice was completely sufficient for each and every one of us. From the time before we accepted him and he forgave us all of our sins and the sins right now and the sins that we're going to do tomorrow and the days that lie ahead. I, uh, I, uh, <laughs> I, 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 I loved working at Temkin, but they were, there was two things you did at Temkin. You either had to talk, or three things, I guess it was. You either had to talk politics, fishing, or hunting. I guess that would go together, wasn't it? Fishing, hunting, and religion. You had to talk all those things. If you didn't talk all those things, there was nothing to talk about. I tried to talk about cars one time. Nobody wouldn't talk about cars. No, you got to talk about religion, hunting. They took me hunting. I Did I ever tell you about my hunting experience with them? They took me hunting one time, all these guys from Timken. They never took me back. I don't understand why, but, you know. <laughs> and so we never talked about hunting that much except when they were doing it. And then uh, religion, and, and uh, religion was a hot topic. Um, especially there were 17 of us on our crew that uh, proclaimed Christ as Savior. And, um, and one time we were talking, and, and I told him I, I was getting ready to get baptized in Manfield's Lake in Hanoverton, Ohio. And they, this one old boy looked at me and he said, he said, uh, you mean you haven't been baptized yet? And I, I, I said, no, I just got saved like, you know, a couple years, a year ago. It was about a year and a half ago. When it was sometime, about a year and a half after. It was the first summer after I got saved in September, okay? So, 
So I'm, I'm thinking, okay, I'm, I'm getting baptized. This is a great thing. I want to tell my friends this. And he says, boy, it's a good thing you're getting baptized. What if you'd have died? You see? He had salvation and baptism. You had to be baptized to get saved. I, if I would have been more intelligent about God's word, I'd ask him to show me that in God's word. And I think you can take some scripture out of context and do that. But it doesn't say anything about that. Jesus in John 14, 6 said what? I am the way, the truth, and the, and the, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. And you come and watch Floyd. It's not in your Bible? Paul, but you got to look closer, buddy. I'm telling you, it's there. There's no end after that, is there? No end of anything. You've got to go to this church or that church. Nothing after that. It's, it's, the, the statement is, no one comes to the Father except through me. Sorry, that's it. The sacrifice that he gave was completely, completely, not just partially, completely sufficient for every, every human being going. Everyone that will come, his love, his grace for us is completely all we need. It's the, we don't need to do anything else. Well, that's nothing. One time I was in a church and they told me I wasn't saved even though I was saved. They said, I, you're not saved until you speak in tongues. Oh, geez, sorry. Oh, I went ballistic over that one. I thought, oh, Lord, I got to go up here and perform. Huh? You know what I mean? Now, since then, I believe I speak in tongues, but I don't think it has anything to do with salvation. Amen? I think salvation happens because we put our faith in the complete, sufficient sacrifice that Christ did for us on Calvary. Amen? So, thinking about that, I want us to look at this verse, these two verses here, and see why, why I'm going to give you just Three thoughts of why I think he's completely sufficient. And I, I think there's a couple thousand more after these three. Every time we look at God's word, we can see, oh, there, that, that's it. That satisfies the whole thing that we need. But let me give you three things here that, um, that we need to understand in, the, in the Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 and 16. In 15 it says, for we do not, hear that, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with us, with our weaknesses. No, we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are. So first of all, I think if we're going to think about this, this um, completely sufficient sacrifice, we need to understand that, that um, it's that way is because Jesus understands every one of our issues. Every one of our weaknesses, he has went through it. Do you remember when he went through... Um, uh, the time of um, uh, tempting and the time of separation those 40 days after he was baptized and, and uh, Satan did everything he could to get him to fall short and then at the end of it it's in um, um, verse 13 of Luke chapter 4 he says the devil finished with Jesus in that 40 days he said okay I'm done with this time but he says I'll get you later in other words he says I'm going to have an opportune time I'm sure to get you to fall and make some sense. So you see what happened. What we don't understand with that. We think that, okay, he left him go until he got to the cross. No, I think every day that Jesus was alive, 
Every day from the moment he was baptized and he started his ministry, every, every moment of his life, the principalities and powers of this world were doing the same thing to him that he's doing to you and I. No different. I think he had to suffer through everything that we suffer through. I think Satan would go every day to God and say, let me do this to him. I can show you he's not, the, he's not who you think he is. That's what he does for us. Let me go and sh- let me do this to Floyd. I can tell you right now, if I do this to Floyd, he'll, he'll fall away and I'll tell you, he's not a Christian. He doesn't believe in you. That's what he's saying to you, about you too. God, God, he doesn't care anything. Listen to this. Satan and the principalities and powers of this world, the anethos, it's not anethos, it's the principalities and powers of this world, wants to do nothing more than to keep you from being in a worshipful mode of a complete uh, sufficient sacrifice. And all he wants to do is to hurt the heart of God. He doesn't care anything about you. you grabbing a hold of that? That's why I think this is a completely sufficient sacrifice because he knows, he's been through everything that we've been through. He knows the struggles that we have gone through. He he understands the, the power of temptation. Uh, one time I was talking about temptation, and a, and a guy came up to me afterwards, and he said, you know, I have no problem with temptation at all. No problem with it at all. And I said, really? And he said, no, I have a problem with temptation, but I have no problems with temptations. I said, can you make sense out of that? He said, well, I don't buy into the temptations, but I'm tempted all the time, and I do them. I said, well, I don't quite understand all that. But that's the way we are, aren't we? We're all, I think we're all like that. We, we don't have to worry about temptations, but they're there every day. Whether you like it, we, no, there's nothing in my life that bothers me. Well, it's like, like Tammy said, or uh, what's the girl that just did the children's thing? Not Tammy. Stacy. <laughs> I know her name. <laughs> oh, shoot. It's like Stacy just said, you know, we, we do things, you know, maybe we spend too much time on the TV. I got Phyllis Ann a new book, uh, The Promises, one-year Bible, Praying the Promises of God. She's spending more time in that book than any that I've seen her lately. And it's because she's tired of sitting down there watching TV, doing this and doing that. And so now she's moved moved away from the TV and moved um, into reading more. Praise God. Huh? Why? Because she has a sufficient, completely sufficient sacrifice that, that she wants to hone up on, tune into a little bit more. Uh, that sacrifice um, that he did for us helps us to understand that there's somebody we can go to that knows what we're going through. That's why his sacrifice is so completely sufficient. Okay, so he understands our weaknesses. Secondly, if you listen to verse 16 real closely, he says, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we can receive the mercy that he's given us. My goodness, if we understand that Jesus knows all of our weaknesses, then if that's true, here's the second thing. We should never be afraid to come into his presence. Never be afraid because he says, let us approach the throne of grace with what? Confidence. I can go in and talk to Jesus. I, I don't have to go in and have my head bowed, in other words. I don't have to go into the presence of God and say, Oh, geez, I know I did this, and holy cannoli, I know it's not going to go over good. 
He's probably going to yell at me. He's probably going to, you know, say, you, you dummy, what did you do that for? You know, he's not going to be encouraging. He's not going to help me through this because, let's, let's face it, I blew it. Amen? But that's not what God says. I want to tell you, it, literally, friends, it does not matter what you have done. He wants us to come into his presence. We can boldly come into his presence and not fear that um, something crazy is going to happen. Remember the Wizard of Oz? Or just remember the Wizard of Oz? I mean, who was the guy? The wizard. Remember? He had all the smoke and, and uh, explosions going on. And I can remember the lion screaming like crazy and, and, um, and uh, Toto going, ah! And uh, you remember the scene? That's many, many people think that's how they, can, they have to come to God. God comes, we come into the presence of God and all of a sudden the world is all going crazy. And God is not saying anything good to you. He's just saying, he's just, just, you you dummy. You know, that's what we think. We all think God is mad at us and we all think that God doesn't want us to come into his presence. In this complete sacrifice, this this, um, this, completely sufficient thing, God says, no, I want you to come into my presence even more now. Even more. And you know my favorite scripture. I'm going to give it to you. It just came into my heart. I, my favorite scripture, the one I, I lay hold on is Psalm 27, 4. Take a, take a good look at that scripture and look at it and see what it says. It says, um, the thing that I desire more than this world, the thing I want to happen is to be in the presence of God. That's what, when, when we understand that his sacrifice is completely sufficient, man, we're, we're headed there. We should be headed there. We should be headed there <laughs> without even thinking about it. We should, that should be our first place, our first stop in our journey every day to be in his presence, to behold his beauty and to set at his feet. And then, then you know, what the part of the problem is, and that's what he wants us to do, he wants us to come with every concern on our heart but he also wants us to come, and are you ready for this one? It's hard for Floyd. Um, but he wants us to come and shut up. I said, okay, I'm done. You got something you want to tell me? And most of the time he does, doesn't he? Maybe it's through his word. Maybe it's through something a friend says to you. Maybe it's the Holy Spirit that just speaks to you. And in that moment, in that moment, we hear that small, still voice. But it's only when we quit having the earthquakes in our lives, having the fire and the, the winds, you know. And listen to that still, small voice. You and I can know that his, his sacrifice is completely, completely sufficient because Jesus says to you, I don't care what's going on in your life. I don't care where you're at in your walk. I want you to come into my presence. I want you to be here with me today. Not when you die. I want you to be here today. Amen? Let me give you another one. Um, we, we know that this sacrifice is completely sufficient because he, he, he understands our weaknesses. And even in that realm, he still wants us to come into his presence. But look at verse 16. The end of verse 16 says this. So that you and I may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Now, I don't know about you, but in the Christian world, in the Christian world, in this thing that we called Christianity, 
in this thing that we call church, there's a total lack of what 16 is talking about. Listen to it again. So that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. You know, most people come to church in their time of need. And you know what they're looking for? Mercy and grace. And what do most churches give? Not mercy and grace. They give judgment. Most Christians give judgment. In Christianity today, we we criticize instead of mercy and grace. God wants us to do what he does in this perfect, uh, um, completely sufficient sacrifice. He has given us the very thing that we need, hasn't he? The neat thing that I need, I should say, and I hope you need it too because we do, we all need mercy and grace in our lives. We need to quit being judgment, judging of other people. Oh my goodness, I can't tell you how many times a day I think that. Amen? If you're honest with us, everybody's honest here, we're thinking they shouldn't have done that. Mean, hateful people that they are. We throw them away because they don't meet up to our standards or God's standards or the world's standards. They're mean, hateful people. And I'm talking about your brother, your sister. I'm talking about the people you go to church with. I'm talking about folks that are near and dear to you. I'm not talking about people that we see on the news. You know, I'm not talking about it. I'm talking about the people that we know. We don't give them what God wants us to give them, what he has given us, mercy and grace. I'm not going to step on your toes anymore. That's good. The reality of it is is that we need to understand that God forgives us every time that we ask him. That's what that's talking about. That's the third thing, by the way. We, We need to know that this completely sufficient sacrifice is one that forgives over and over again. I did some windows for a church down in Sugar Creek for a dear friend of mine. I did seven windows. And I started out telling a story all the way around to the end. And the last window has a cross with seven red dots in it. And then around that cross, there's 49 black dots. And those 49 black dots represent the times, how many times do we need to forgive? Remember Peter? He came to Jesus and said, you know, I'm living up to the Sanhedrin law, I'm forgiving seven times. Is that enough? You know, at the end of seven times, you don't have to forgive anybody anymore. Because you did it seven times, so that's enough. Right? And he was probably hoping Jesus would say yes because he knew he was going to mess up a lot more. <laughs> and uh, and uh, seven times will be all that people need to forgive us. No, Jesus said seven times, seven, 49 times, huh? But that's not really a number, is it? That just means there's no amount of times you need to ask for forgiveness. And that's why I used that scripture, and that was the point of that window. And the seven, seven times was in the cross of Calvary. When we find Jesus as that perfect sap- sacrifice, that completely sufficient sacrifice, there's no limit to our, our giving out mercy and giving out grace to anybody that we're intact with anybody that's in our lives we should be doing the same thing that Jesus did for us now it's that scripture 1 John 1 9 you know if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us so we have to do it 
to have that sufficient grace or that sacrifice be completely sufficient in our lives. Hebrews 4.16, uh, those two aspects are, are all about the forgiveness of God's grace in our lives. They become completely sufficient. There's nothing else you and I can do, nothing else we can do to have Christ come into our life and be any more powerful than he is already. Amen? So this Easter season, Easter's coming, you know Palm Sunday's next Sunday? I'm going to say this to you. Don't blink because I think we'll be celebrating Chris- or Thanksgiving. Let's go Thanksgiving, not Christmas. Oh, let's go to Halloween. It'll be here before we know it. Amen? And we'll be saying, oh, no, here comes Christmas. It's going so fast. Let us not waste our time on anything than hearing God say to us, I love you more than you can ever imagine. And then he proves that love by hanging on the cross for you and I today. Amen? Let's go to the throne together and ask this completely sufficient Savior to help us understand his sacrifice so that we can give it, give it to somebody else. Lord, we just pray that today. We just pray that, that you would help us understand <clears throat> just how complete that sacrifice is, just how sufficient your sacrifice for us is. And the reason we need to know that, Lord, in our lives and learn to start living it is because we do have friends. We have total strangers too, yes, total strangers. But we have family and friends that need what you have given us. What you have given us in our hearts, Lord. That understanding of who we are as humans with blood pressure that we have weaknesses and that we're going to mess up we thank you that your sacrifice understands that and even even in the midst of that Lord you want us to come help us not to not to oh I better not go today let us never say that let us always seek to come into your presence boldly confidently lovingly because we know that in your presence is where we need to find that mercy and that grace. Everything that we need to ask is just a presence away from us. And we want that, Lord, it's not so that we can have everything we want, but we want that basically so that we can understand how you love us uh, in this completely sufficient sacrifice, how you love us so much that you want us to share that with the people that are around us. So our prayer is today, we take what you've given us and give it to those those that need it like we do. God, we just pray you'd be with us in these days as we celebrate your gift, your sacrifice. So we celebrate that sacrifice. We ask that you would just be with us and guide us and direct us, we pray today in your son's holy and precious name. Amen? Oh, my. Sorry about that. You know, I always have to watch it. I remember 
Vic saying to me one time, he says, you know, I can hear you pretty good except when you pray. <laughs> so I always have to remember to talk up, you know what I mean? Always trying to do something better. And that's what, you know, I hope that next week, let's come back. You know, I forgot to mention, there's some strangers here. Freddie and Darwin are here today. Praise God. We're glad they're here. Yeah. We're glad you're here. Christine and uh, Tim are back. Christine's here. Praise God. And that's good. That's real good. Uh, um, It's just good. The folks are coming back. And friends, come back. If you're comfortable, come back. Uh, We're sitting far enough apart. And and if we need to move, you can move the chairs farther apart. Uh, Move them wherever you want to. But if you're feeling comfortable, come on back. It's okay. If you want to just come to the parking lot and try that out, you can come there. Um, but Charlie and Tim and, and Jane are out there, and they come every week. Bless their hearts. And um, being at home, it doesn't matter. We're, we have learned one thing in this time, haven't we? That the body of Christ is not in these four walls. Amen? Praise God. Every church has found that out, I think. Let's stand together and sing uh, with